And now, Boys Under the Hood with James Stevenson and Pat Kelly. How's the shoulder doing, man? It's awful. It's, it's terrible. So if, it. if you missed it, James, um, I guess it was about what, three, four weeks ago, was uh, visiting the Bronx Zoo with his family, and <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the gorillas was able to get his arm through the cage and grabbed a little toddler. Uh, James flew into action, saved the kid. Uh, who knows? Is the gorilla? I don't know if the gorilla still hurt, but in the process, you you did something to your shoulder. I did. I I put a beating on that gorilla. But that was a big um. That was a big day. But you're that kind of guy who steps up for that too. That was it. Yeah, that gorilla didn't stand a chance. No, it's um, healing up. You know, as good as uh, shoulder surgery could. You know, I'm out of the sling finally, so that's that's good. Is it any support at all you have on it now, or just? No, just it's it's normal now. Just uh, just limited. Just don't don't move it a lot. You know. Cool. We can continue to talk about that if you want. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. We can, we can keep keep talking going on about that if you want, or we could talk about your Fire Stick that has all the channels and every. Does that pick up local all the local channels for you too, or is it just the uh, just the bigger games? Welcome to Boys Under the Hood. James Stevenson <laughs> from Precision Auto Repair joins us every Tuesday morning at eight o'clock. <laughs> And we take your car care questions. Um, a couple ways you can get a hold of us and send the questions in on James's Facebook page, uh, precisionautorepair.biz. And I also had someone email me, pat at laser993.com, and that's one of the questions we're going to address today. So many ways you can get a hold of us. If you have car questions, James is the expert, man. He runs the business, so definitely send him in to us. You know, a lot of times, too, what we do is we, um, you know, we'll get a lot of similar questions, you know, based on time of year, like, hey, um, Tire pressure, right? My light came on, it's gotten cold or something like that. So, you know, we'll really try to target that type of question, too, if we begin to get a lot of, like, bulk of one type of question. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I mean, just ask. There is no such thing as a stupid question. We get people that even ask, too, just uh, please, please don't use my name because I know that this is a <laughs> dumb question. Don't worry about it. We'll never, won't pick on you unless you're rude. And then maybe we will. A little bit. Our first question comes from <laughs> Ellie. In Hampton? Ellie, yeah. She, Elle, maybe. She drives a Toyota Land Cruiser. She's chosen the Shriners Hospitals for Children as her charity. Um, they're doing just wonderful work there. Very well done. Uh, Ellie writes, I'm new to maintaining my own car after losing my husband last fall to his personal trainer. Yikes. That's a lot of information right off the bat. In, uh, in, a, car, in a car question. My brakes started making noise, so I took it into the shop he always used, and they started asking me a ton of questions. I got so confused, I ended up leaving. My main question <laughs> is about the braking rotor, which is the biggest cost. Um, wh what is a machined rotor? Can all rotors be machined? And what determines if they can be machined? Right. So this is the part that the brake pad pushes up against. If you look inside your uh, your wheel, you just stand next to your car, look at your wheels, there's like a, uh, a big metal disc inside there. <laughs> and that's called your brake rotor. Now, when you step on the brake pedal that's in the car, the brake pads press against that metal disc. And that metal disc, uh, it just gets incredibly hot, right? Friction will create heat. Um, so it just gets incredibly hot. Now... That metal disc needs to be able to, A, hold the pressure of that stopping force of the pads pushing against it, and B, it also needs to be able to dissipate that heat that the uh, the brake pads and that friction will generate. So brake rotors have something called a, uh, a minimum thickness, okay? So what machining a rotor means is you're basically just shaving down the outside edge of it to make the surface nice and new and clean, Right. all right, but also true. Right, you want a nice, true, flat surface. Okay, so there's a couple other things you do. You measure the minimum thickness, but you also want to measure what's something called runout. Right, 
every rotor, even though it's perfectly true, as it's mounted on the hub, right, you step on the brake, and then the pedal releases, what actually pushes the, the caliper back is the rotor actually has a little bit of wobble, but it's usually the way that the the hub sits into the, the you know, steering knuckle or spindle area, right? So everything all kind of sits in there, and it, there actually is just a very, very minor wobble, and it's called runout. Every car is supposed to have that. You don't feel it. You don't know it. As you begin to drive the vehicle, and sometimes if you go and you step on your brake and you feel the whole car begin to kind of shake, that's something called excessive runout or a pulsation. So you would measure for runout, and then you would measure min uh, minimum thickness, and then you would make just a very quick calculation to determine how much you have to shave that rotor down, and does it sit outside of the minimum thickness. Does that make sense? Yeah, and what we're talking about, too, you're, you quite literally shave it down. So if, if, you, if you look at, like, a record, an album, okay... And imagine that you're looking across the top of it, there's little bumps on it. Mm -hmm. That's what the process does. It shaves, literally shaves down those bumps to make it flat again. It will, yeah. It, and um, the Exactly. Something like, more or less like that. Now, if it, if it looks like a record, the surface, you're going to hear that when you step on the brake. So it's got to be perfectly machined so it looks almost like glass. Right. It's a perfectly smooth surface, but you're, you're 100% well, like right. Well, like a backside of a CD almost, uh, maybe exactly. a better analogy. Yep. Yeah, better exactly. Analogy. It just it, it shaves it right down. It just takes off that top top couple layers, and then you've got your surface there. Replacing a rotor is just you get a brand new rotor, you put it on the car, and uh, you know when we put rotors on cars, we'll check them just for uh, for that runout to make sure that that runout is within spec. Because nothing worse than putting on a brand new rotor that's got a pulsation already, you know, built into it. Now some cars um, some cars actually don't allow you to machine the rotors; they're just called discard only. So Why? Um, performance, you know, they're they're already thin enough, or they're drilled, or cross-drilled or slotted or something you know there's all kinds of different different reasons but um some manufacturers just don't even want you to uh to machine them they just want you to just replace them so um because it used to be it used to be a very common thing and they used to call it turning of the rotors turning yeah and i remember like i i, I remember seeing the machine it was on it basically looked like a record player with yeah. the hard needle and it just slowly turns it and as, as it turns it the needle moves into the center and eventually it's flat again that's it but now so are they thinner are they made thinner now so that's not as common some, or? some will be thinner yeah I mean some some will be thinner some are just um you know it's the the way that they're made you you can never properly machine them so some higher performance cars they'll have little holes all drilled in there you can't machine those you know the the, you'd destroy the tip on the lathe, and uh, right, it would snag in it. Yeah, right? it would just it would yeah it would get caught because you're you're literally pressing that, you know that tip of that lathe into that so you can grind down that surface. If there's, you know, major imperfections or holes uh, within it, you're you're not going to be able to machine that. So you know, some just want to make sure it's a cleaner job. You know, so, now is that something that a, a mechanic would know right away whether they can be a good one? Done, yeah, done yeah, or not? Like, a, a good one. Yeah, the, you know. Um, Somebody on Facebook that has no idea about cars, but they're just trying to give you advice because they're an expert on everything. They're probably not going to know, uh, but somebody that has actual knowledge of a car, yeah, they'll 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 know. You know, you can look all that stuff up too. Some rotors actually used to have the minimum uh, thickness written right on there. Um, you know, it'd be kind of stamped in there. But other than that, it's very easy to find. Um, you know, any licensed repair facility that has the you know all of the proper you know specs and things like that that we look up online you would uh, you'd be able to quickly find that it that's never been a problem determining that it's just you know what's the best 
course of action for the customer because you're going to have a little bit more labor machining the rotor, but you're going to have a lower part cost or you're going to have a higher part cost and then less labor if you replace the rotor. Um, for me personally, I, I like replacing rotors. You know, I, I think it's a, a cleaner, better, easier to warranty job. Um, it's also faster, especially if the customer's in a little bit of a hurry. Uh, not to say that uh, you don't machine rotors, but you just don't you don't do it as much as you used to. Years ago, like when I started working on cars, every brake job for the most part got machined. You know, um, now it's just it's not that way. You know, and then with the cost of rotors and everything coming down significantly over the years, it uh, it's really kind of the same. You know. You're listening to Boys Under the Hood. James Stevenson from Precision Auto Repair is here every Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Do you like the um, the egg carton that I propped the door with? So I was going to bring that up. That's really nice. Yeah, that's um, high tech. Is that like a two two dozen carton? That was the, uh, the most... That's the big one. That's a dozen and a half one. A dozen and a half? Uh-huh. That's a really... That was a, a professional carton. Well, we need those when the chickens get crazy in the spring and summertime. because they, they just start popping like, off eggs everywhere. I don't even know how they do because yeah. it's not a big animal. Yeah. Right. I don't. You hear them in the hen house too. Like you know when they're laying an egg, it's like bah, 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 bah. like it's. And I'm like, you're damn right that hurts. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, can, can you a imagine? Great chicken. Though. No, sir. They're just sitting there. <laughs> so the chicken's sitting there, just minding its own business, being a chicken. Then all of a sudden, it's yeah. like, oh, oh, ah. But then every single day, they just go crazy. Yeah, they just. I don't know, man. That's. You ever watch the chickens uh, hatch at the uh, the biggie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wicked cute. The chicks. One of my are favorite cute. things forever. Since I was a little kid, I go there. I'll stand there for fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, just waiting for one. You know, staring at an egg, hope, like willing it to have a little bird pop out of it. Once you see the look, the first crack in it like that, that's it. Then I'm there. I'm stuck. I don't care what's going on the rest of the day. We're gonna talk about the uh, the uh, chicken show. The uh, it's not the poultry. Is it the poultry they show? They have a, a show just of chickens. Oh yeah, chickens and roosters. At the biggie. Oh yeah, and ducks. It really oh, is. Boy. You know, your kids would love it. What do you do? You just walk around. Do you are you buying chicken? Some chickens. People, yeah, some people sell their chickens, but a lot of them are. I, like, I wouldn't buy a chicken. I just go to your house and steal a couple. No. <laughs> well. <laughs> When it, get, when, it gets, when, it gets, when it gets closer, I'll tell you about it. I went, there, I went there last year, and I couldn't believe it, that it was as big as it was. Hundreds, of, and some of them, like, the some of the roosters, they stand, like, three feet tall, dude. Really? Like, you do not want to mess with some of these these birds. But it's, it's you're, oh, Brookie and Maddie would love it. They, really? They would be beside themselves. Really? Oh, yeah. It's it's really, really interesting. I think you're overestimating their attention span. No. <laughs> well, maybe I am. <laughs> you're listening to Boys Under the Hood. <laughs> Come on, man. We'd be in the parking lot just getting there, and they'd be like, can we go to Chipotle now? <laughs> Send your questions into us. Precision Auto Repair Facebook page or precisionautorepair.biz. Um, this is uh, a question, it's sort of like a follow-up question, I guess. Uh, last week, we received an email asking us to stop talking about the sales process for dealers, <laughs> mainly to stay away from talking about financing because this one salesman lost a commission when the buyer chose their own bank. <laughs> this is well, a real question? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, I guess the... Uh, what did we talk about? What was it that we talked about last week that this I, was on? I don't even know what I talked about today so far, you know? Last week, there was a question from a woman that was ultimately buying a car, and uh, we ended up segueing into um, talking about, you know, how dealerships, if you go in there with cash, right, this isn't 
you know, the, the mid eighties anymore, a cash deal isn't going to get you a cheaper price on a car. All right. Um, so they actually, the dealership will make more money if you finance, right. Uh, was the, the premise behind that conversation. And since this guy is upset about it, I guess we could just talk about it again. <laughs> you know, if you want right. for those that, no. that didn't, that didn't hear it. <laughs> so the if you if you go in and you buy a car years ago you used to say you know well what's your what's your cash price and you, you probably could get a cheaper price but well since, there's also a tax implication there as well so it, sure. it used to be hey man how about if i paid your cash and save the tax and so then you're counting on the other person to misrepresent what they sold it for so because cash is not traceable basically that's the in a nutshell. i don't like to live in the shady world that you live in and i like to think that the dealer would know that it was probably going to be an easier transaction. Well, now they guaranteed sold unit. I would say now that would be the way that I would look at it, Patrick. But, uh, you know, you're free to have your own, your own point of view on that. I'm not judging. I just, (laughs) I've, I've done cash transactions before. Absolutely. You know, the, um, the, the, the dealership will make money on the financing and that's not always a bad thing because in some cases there'll be a promotional rate that will be less than, um, you know, what you could get from your bank. If your bank is at like 3%, maybe this promotional rate is 0% or 1%. So it's not evil right. to finance with a, a dealership. But, you know, the, the dealership, yes, they, they make money on the financing. They'll make, you know, a couple percent on the financing. And on top of it, they'll try to sell uh, something called gap insurance. Uh, so if you are trying to purchase a car and um, you basically don't want to put any money down or you don't have any money to put down, uh, you would purchase a gap. Right, because the second you register that brand new car, it's going to lose what, like fifteen, twenty percent value. Then you drive down the street, somebody smashes into you, and uh, the car's only worth what it's worth. So Gap would cover the loan to value amount. Does that make sense? It does, because they'll come after you for the extra money that the insurance won't cover. Right, and then the biggest scam out there is the uh, not that Gap is a, or any of that stuff is a scam. It's just this is the biggest scam probably in terms of car buying is the uh, aftermarket warranties. Just they're. Just don't buy them. They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. You know, they they limit what kind of parts can go in your car, so they only want some type of, like, lower quality aftermarket or used part. Uh, They don't pay all of the labor in all cases. Um, They just, they'll, it's it's terrible. I've seen, we actually have one at our shop right now that's been tied up for three weeks. Three weeks just sitting there waiting on an inspector. Three weeks. This customer is not allowed to drive the vehicle. They can't take it. They can't do anything. Right, warranty company wants to make sure it's in our possession the entire time. The customer can't mess with it. Customer didn't mess with it to begin with. They drove it, it broke, and now it's sitting there for three weeks waiting for an inspector. I'd be going crazy, right? Think about how you would feel if you just paid three thousand dollars for this warranty. I think this person's had this car for about a year. Paid three thousand dollars for this warranty. Now finally, you need to go use it for a stupid issue, and three weeks later, you're still waiting on an answer. And they're not, you know, the warranty company hasn't agreed to pay for anything. So this person now has this rental for three weeks waiting on approval. How much does a rental cost them at $30, $35, $40 a day or something? You know what I mean? That's insane. Well, and that also speaks to, and let's face it, that's insurance, right, when you're buying that. And that that speaks to any insurance company. And you see them on TV, right, all acting like they're your friends. Oh, we're your buddy. Insurance companies do not stay in business paying out claims. Insurance companies make money by denying claims. It's how they make money. Yeah. So don't expect that when something happens that they're going to show up at your house. Your homeowners, it's a good example. If you have to file a homeowner's claim, good luck to you. You better have everything documented. And I mean like 
your clothes, your belongings. And that's why they say, you know, a good idea to kind of go around your house with a recorder and record your belongings so that if the time comes, God forbid it does, you'll have proof for it. Because the last thing they want to do is pay out a claim. That's a great tip. Go around and just record it periodically once every couple months or something. Yeah, yeah. I had some friends of mine, man, um, and they lost a house. Remember the tornadoes rolled through here? Lost everything. All the way down to the foundation. And what they had to do to get their money back for their stuff, because they hadn't documented their clothes, their stuff, you know, you got to do it. We had, um, so our building got hit directly. My Our old shop was uh, in the footprint of the uh, the MGM casino. Yes. So where that parking garage is, where you exit onto Union Street, that was where my, uh, my old shop was. And, uh, you know, obviously since torn down now, they couldn't fit the building on top of it. Right. Right. So, um, <laughs> thanks for that. I... But when we got hit by that tornado down there, my uh, my experience actually was just the opposite. They um, the insurance we got hit with the tornado on Wednesday. On Thursday, the adjuster came out to kind of take a like a preliminary list, but we didn't know what we had lost or had at all. And he just said, "If you think you lost it, just write it down." He goes, "If you didn't, we can just deal with it later." Okay. So Friday, I took an inventory. I had a check by Monday. Wow. Yeah, my first check by Monday. I don't think they ever. Like they never gave us any pushback or anything like that. We provided receipts and then, you know, what we had or didn't have or lost or was damaged or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I had a, a, as good an experience as you could possibly have in such a bad situation. Um, you know. the job well done there by whoever the adjuster was. Because yeah, um, we use, um, uh, I don't know who the, who the adjuster was. Our agent really went to bat for us. Bob Prue out of uh, Berkshire Insurance in, uh, in Longmeadow. Good team over there. Good nice. people. But yeah, I mean, back to the uh, back to the question. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, one of the ways that I will, um, if I'm going to purchase a car and uh, I'm going to finance, sometimes you'll have rebates that are only available if you are to finance, so you can get a cheaper price on the car that way. Um, so there may be new car incentives or something like that. Uh, in that case, what I have done in the past is I will ultimately finance the car at that rate, get the cheaper price, and then you have like a 30-day period where you can't pay off the car, and then I'll just pay it off after that that period so that the dealership can get those rebates and everything. And then once the transaction is settled, so to speak, you could just pay it off that way if you want, if you're, you know, if you're purchasing a car in cash. Does that make sense? It does. You know, so take whatever they're willing to give you, let them make their money however they need to, and then, you know, just pay it off the way that you, you initially intended to. So, you know, dealerships aren't evil. They're they got these big, huge places so that because they they make money, you know, um, you know sometimes the rate can be can be less, you know, at, at the dealership. Uh, if you need gap insurance, you honestly you're buying a car that you can't afford, so you probably should just look at another car if you're in a situation where you need gap. Um, and then the warranties, just stay away from them unless they're uh, they're certified pre-owned. Uh, there's a big difference there. The certified pre-owned is essentially an extension of the factory warranty, and in some cases even better, uh, where the aftermarket warranties that you would buy from some bigger dealerships, but you know mainly smaller dealerships, never use them, never buy one ever. Totally stay away from them. Uh, just put maybe twenty dollars a week aside into a savings account, and then if you don't need the money to repair your car, or if you need it, it's there at some point. And if you don't need it, then you just use it to go on a vacation or use it for a down payment on the next one, right? Boys under the hood, James Stevenson from Precision Auto Repair sits across from me. I'm Pat Kelly. Appreciate you joining us today. <laughs> you can submit your car questions to precisionautorepair.biz or James's Facebook page. Or you can send them to me too, pat at laser993.com. However you can get them to us, get them to us, and we'll answer them here on the radio. 
Let's jump right back into it. Denise in uh, Longmeadow drives a Volvo XC70. She's chosen the Shriners Hospitals for Children. Uh, Denise writes, I was leaving my favorite restaurant the other night in Hamden, and my check engine light came on. I was alarmed, so I called the repair shop. The next day I went to have it looked at, but was appalled that they needed to charge me to look at the vehicle. Body shops never charge for repair estimates. Anywho, they, <laughs> she, she wrote it out. She wrote out, anywho. Anywho, they told me what was wrong and, and the, the car is broken even after fixing the car. What should I do now? They told me what, what was wrong. What restaurant she was at? And the car is still broken. I like that Hamden house. You ever go there? Oh, yeah. Get the eggplant tower. They do a nice job there. Man, that thing will fatten you up nice. We went down there. We were there for a thirsty thirst. I think we scared them. At Hamden House? Yeah, this was a couple of years ago. More of a quiet, kind yeah, of sure low-key. Yeah, I mean, we brought a ton of people, so they, they had to be thrilled from that respect. I'm just not sure if they were ready for the music to be blaring and they're like that. But I love the Hamden House. Um, La Cucina? Yeah. Right? La yeah, Cucina, is that what it is? La Cucina de Hamden House. Yeah, we go there a lot. I, make, uh, I like it. They make great uh, espresso martinis. Espresso martinis? Yeah, yeah. Real, real good. That's the second time you, uh, you, you turned the whole conversation over to alcohol today. How you doing? You all right? Long week already? I'm a little bit shaky this morning, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Martin Luther King Day is a, uh, it's like your St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's funny. Well, so, <laughs> you know what, uh, Denise, in, in, in the past eight months, one of the, uh, the, the most asked questions, and we, we kind of touched on this earlier, is why do people have to, uh, to pay to have their car looked at? And um, the reality is because it's expensive to... To have all of the equipment and training tools and everything that you need to be able to properly diagnose your car. Plus, it takes time, right? So if you go to a body shop and you want an estimate on something, you're just going to do a, a visual inspection of it, okay? If the car has uh, got a scratch on the bumper of a newer car, it's probably pretty easy to estimate that damage that you can physically see, right? correct? An engine has about a thousand pieces to it, okay? And you are now supposed to, as a technician, determine which one of those thousand pieces is malfunctioning internally, even though that part is internal as well, right? How would you know that? No, you wouldn't. You can't see it, you know? And even even a, uh, a diagnostic scan tool, that maybe will put you in the area, but that's not going to tell you exactly what's wrong with it. There's no such tool that exists. There's no tool built in the world today that will tell you exactly what is wrong with your car by plugging it in. And I'm it glad does that, not exist uh, on any level of auto repair, whether it's basics or the, the best dealership around. It just does not it, it doesn't exist. It's nowhere. And, and that makes sense. I'm glad that she actually she's the one that brought up the um, the body shop stuff. Right. Because it's crystal clear to you. There's there's no digging around. I mean, I'd imagine if the car had like a crap load of damage, like it's you know close to being totaled, it's going to take more time to go over it, whatever. But what happens is the body shop will pull it apart. So the body shop will say, okay, your initial estimate is, is $2,000 for this major, major front-end coll uh, collision. Now they take everything apart and they do something called a supplement. Okay, now that we've got it apart, we're able to see all the additional damage and then, you know, now you have your, your true estimate. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And they'll send it off to either you or your insurance company or, or whoever. Right. So in the end, the insurance company ends up paying for that anyway, right? So Yeah. So, but they've got to have their initial estimate. And then, so that's what they don't charge for, but it's totally, it's different, you know, it's different. So if you, um, you know, if you allowed me to take your car apart and you were going to definitely pay for it, I could tell you exactly what was wrong 
inside as well, you know. So um, I don't I don't um, you're, it's kind of apples and oranges, you know. You're right. you're comparing something that you can physically see that's on the outside of the vehicle and and very visible in most cases uh, versus something that's internal, a moving component that's causing something else. Like it's just it's apples to. Rocks. So, and this it, isn't just precision. Sparked. I mean, this is this is every place you take well, the car. Yeah, she's not talking about. Like, she never brought the car to no. us. But the the thing that I can say is that I I know the shop that she brought the car to, and because uh, people will, the the we typically will leave the name of the shop out of we not typically we always leave the name of the shop out of the person's question, um, just because we don't want anybody to think negatively of somebody based on somebody else's negative or perceived negative experience or interaction with that shop. Um, if I have a friend that owns a shop and somebody asks a question, I always call that shop and I ask them, hey, what happened? Or be aware of this. Maybe you could call that customer and try to make it right or something, right? Because in some cases, good customers, they just, they don't complain to the shop. They'll just, they'll never come back. And, you know, that doesn't help the shop. So, you know, if the shop doesn't know that there's an issue, they can't fix it. So, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, I will call that other shop as long as I know them and I'll uh-huh. tell them, hey, look, this happened. Uh, in this case, this woman was given a list of things that she actually needed to repair. And then she to- chose to repair one. And she said she had another mechanic that could do the job cheaper. And uh, she chose not to do the majority of the list of things. So that that would be, in this case, why her car is still broken. She just never actually wanted to repair the car. Uh, but then she took some time to ask us this question. And that's great. I'm glad we were able to uh, clarify what the difference is between a body shop and a repair shop. Well, can you imagine if your whole day was just looking at cars and diagnosing them and just like not getting paid at all because all the diagnoses were free? If you break down, you know, the the time, the tools, the training, everything, you know, last week I think we touched on this, you know, one of our, our main scan tools is about $20,000 and we've got to have at least four different scan tools, different ones, because... There is no like one size fits all scan tool either. You've got to have some that only work on certain European cars and then some that only work on certain Asian or domestic or, you know, whatever. And then you've got special ones that are just for programming tires and all this other stuff. So with all of that comes updates at a thousand, couple thousand dollars a year per tool. On top of that, now you've got to train your technician and your tech, uh, your technician has to have a bunch of other little tools that he needs to be able to diagnose all that stuff. On top of it, you need electricity in the shop. Right. You need all that stuff. So without even getting into the the business lesson of all of that, it takes time, right? It takes a lot of time. And what happens with diagnosis is people will think, and not all people, but just some people will think, and it's just because they don't know. They'll think, well, there's a computer. You just plug it in, and that'll tell you what's wrong with it. AutoZone does that. AutoZone, you know, if you want to buy some parts there, that's great, but AutoZone is a part store, and their job is to sell you parts, so when they plug in their, you know, whatever they plug in, right, whatever their basic, very generic scan tool is, what it does is it spits out a list of common parts that typically get replaced for that repair. It could be this. It could be one of these 10 things. Right. Now, Patrick has to go inside the store, purchase the part, and then he has to, what are you going to look up on YouTube how to replace it, right? And then you're going to probably screw it up. Right. right, And you're going to need to go back to the parts store and buy another tool or whatever. You're going to turn this 10-minute job into an all-day project because you don't know what you're doing. And I'm not going to do the job right. Then the light's still going to be on, so now you need to go back, and they're going to clear it for you. And then you're going to drive around for a couple days, and then the light is going to come back on, and you're going to have the same exact code. And now what right. are you going to do? You're going to go back Let's to the parts again. store, yeah. and you're going to go through this whole gamut again, and now it's going to be a month 
and few hundred dollars and however many wasted days that you've spent trying to work on this car all to replace what they said were common failure parts, right? The difference that you get at a repair shop is the repair shop will say, okay, this is the exact part that is bad, and this is why it's bad, and this is how much it's going to cost, and this is how long it's going to take, and they're going to tell you all of that stuff. And the other thing the repair shop's going to do is they're going to obviously do the work for you, but they're going to re- they're going to warranty it. So should that part go bad, should something not be right, then you've got somebody you can go back to and say, hey, look, you know, you guys are supposed to be the experts. Prove it. You know, does that make sense? It does make sense. You know, so the, there, there's a huge difference there, right? And, and we've used this analogy before, and I stole this from somebody else. A customer actually gave it to me. Diagnosis is like a high-rise building, all right? Empire State Building. And you've got however many floors are in the Empire State. How many floors are in there? 80, 100? Know, 100. Let's just call it 100. I don't even know. But there's a lot of floors, all right? Every floor, let's say, has 100 rooms. What diagnosis is going to do is it's going to put you on the 82nd floor, Okay. And it's going to say, figure it out now. So right. a technician is going to have to check every single room, all 100 rooms on that, that floor, and figure out where the problem is. All right? What a parts store does is they say, all right, you're on the 82nd, the 41st, and the, uh, the 93rd floor, and just go buy all of this stuff, and, and something in here is going to fix that issue. Good luck. You know, and if you need more parts, we can sell you more parts, right? Does that make sense? Right. It's asinine. You know, that's the difference between a part store and then diagnosis. Part stores are great if you want to buy parts. You don't want a part store trying to diagnose your car because it's going to cost you a lot of time, aggravation, you know, money. And I'm, you know, I'm glad you bring up time. That's one of the things that I'm, I'm always talking with Kim about when, and I, we don't, we don't debate it a lot, but. Anytime there's like a do a DIY project, right? I, I always look at how long it's going to take me on my day off or how long it's going to take us on our day off. And I say to her, is it worth putting in 10 hours on your day off to save 100 bucks? Because it's not me. Not to me, it's not. I'd rather have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. I'd rather pay a guy to do my landscaping than for me to do it half-assed at twice as much time on my day off. So the bottom line is you want a pro to look at your car because you're wasting a lot of time in addition to the process of trying to chase down the right part Mm -hmm. if you're getting that basic diagnosis from a part shop. Sure. And I do love our local Napa here, by the way. Napa's great. Yeah. Napa does an awesome job, all right? Um, You know, all these these parts stores do an awesome job sourcing and selling parts. And they're helpful. They're very helpful, and they can give you a a lot of great information. All right. They're just not don't use them as a diagnostic tool. Like that's just not what it is. Use them to tell you, hey, you can continue to drive the vehicle with this light on until you can get to an actual shop that can repair the car. And then the shop will, in some cases, buy the part from them and then, you know, put it in the car if if they choose to use that vendor. But that would be really the only capacity that I would use them to. I don't know, scan your car in any any way, shape, or form. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Um, you know, we do offer free diagnosis at, uh, at Precision Auto 2 for existing customers. Uh, you just have to roll in, uh, sorry, enroll in our uh, what's called Precision Pride program. I'm in it. Yep, pass the stickers in it. on my truck. First, uh, first hour diagnosis, always free, forever. Um, and then you also, or you would get 5% off repairs, so one or the other. So if you come in for diagnosis today, we would do the diagnosis for free. Uh, or if you just came in for... 
you know, just service or something, you get 5% off. But it's a totally free program. Uh, you can give the shop a call, 363-0306. We get you enrolled. takes all of a minute. Not a big deal, and it's totally free. You're listening to Boys Under the Hood, James Stevenson, owner, operator, Precision Auto Repair in West Springfield. So did the guys listen to the show, the guys in the shop? I, I couldn't even listen to the show. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not listening. The guys do, yeah. They they listen in the uh, in the office. They listen in the shop too. Yeah, I love those boys. They work hard. They're a good group of guys. Yeah, they're they're a a very very good group of guys. We um, we're blessed. Our next question comes from Eric, who has chosen the open pantry, and this is one that came to me late last week, and I start laughing because this has happened to me. My question concerns rodents living inside the vehicle, chipmunks or mice. I know that they may be attracted to eating wires or bringing in their own nests. What's a good way for an automobile to keep these pests out? I've used mothballs and netting over the intake before. Any ideas or thoughts? Thank you. It's a good question. It is. You know, very relevant to this time of year. See, the, all the little critters will want to go find a, a nice warm place to hide in the wintertime. It's, what, one degree out, two degrees out today, right? It's it's probably warmer in your, your garage, and never mind, next to your nice warm car in that nice warm engine bay. Right. So the critters will want to find a place to, to go inside there. Um, mothball, I, I've heard a lot of really great suggestions over the years, and, and mothballs are a, um, mothballs I, I've heard are, are great, and, you know, when you actually break it down, I've heard that they're not so great. And the reason being is that the amount of, of naphthalene that you would need to be able to uh, deter a mouse is roughly the same that you would need to determine a human or deter, deter, not determine, I'm sorry, deter a human. So it would have to be such a large amount that it, it would, it just would be. How? No, wait a minute. What are you, naphthalene? What, are you, what kind yeah. of words are you trying to throw at my listener? I can't even spell it. Is that what's in mothballs that makes it smell like that? Yeah, yeah. So that's your that's your your active ingredient there that that keeps everything away in the in the in the mothballs. Napoleon, get, you get it's called. out of here right now. Yeah, yeah. So and you, you didn't uh, know that? I didn't know that. I thought the main ingredient was mothballs. Pause the show and Google it right now. No, well the thing I'll bet is, you a dollar I'm right. I mean, I bet I could look it up. No, you're right. It's just that yeah. you, you say it like it's matter of fact, like you've you've said naphthalene a lot. One of us works on cars all the time. I'm supposed to know this stuff. Hence expert on this side of the desk i gotta know these things <laughs> i had a i had something living in my <laughs> it was living inside of the fan like it was in like it was inside of the rotor where the inside where the fan like the the the, the, the cabin fan yeah and he had built a nest in there but i couldn't like he must have had a really bad last day because that thing spins yeah you know when you turn the car on it spins and next thing i know my heater it's like spitting out pieces of grass. It's coming through the the vents, and and then finally I figured out what was going did on. Did it? Was he in one piece? No, when got no, him out? I was no. I did. He, I, he must have bolted before I started it because he would have been doomed. Yeah. Oh, there's no getting out of that. And here's how I know that. I almost took my finger off trying to fix it with it on. That wasn't <laughs> wise. 
Don't stick. Don't <laughs> shut the power off don't first. Stick, don't, stick your, don't stick your finger in a fan. No, no. you don't want to do that. No, it wasn't good. I because I, I, you know, what I tried to do. I tried to spin spin the stuff out. I had the I had the glove box open. Yeah. Right? And I'm all up in there. I'm like, oh, I can't. I couldn't get my big fat arm in there. So I tried to spin it out. So I'm like, okay, I'll turn the car on. Turn the fan on. It's spinning, and I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna stick my finger in there. It's a logical. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> it's quite a thought process. I mean, it made sense at the time. Did you pull back a stump? Oh, I pulled back a bloody finger. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't that bad. You know what that happened to? Um, well, it's pretty common, you know, that you'll get a, uh, you know, Roden or something in there. Rome had that happen to him from uh, Romeo Athletics in Enfield. Yeah, yeah. He had, um, like, maybe two inches deep of uh, of acorns. All in his fan, you know, because the fan looks like a little basket. Yeah. You know, and, and he had maybe a couple inches of, of acorns in there. He comes in, he's what the heck is going on? Something's wrong with this fan and, you know, won't get up to speed and it's making a ton of noise. You just totally destroyed from all the uh, the acorns and everything, you know, something was living in there. But, you know, the, the mothballs, I mean, you could try it if you want. Um, peppermint oil is uh, really a good uh, deterrent. Uh, so the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you don't have any holes or exposed areas where critters and things can get in you want to try to remove them from your garage first um, and then from there you can begin to kind of treat the car so I can tell you what I do uh, everybody you can do a quick uh, Google search and you could find a, a bunch of really cool uh, you know tips and things like that but for me when I store you know I, I have a, a classic car that I store for the winter what I do is I treat the inside of the garage with a uh, like a peppermint oil like a natural peppermint oil uh, the reason I use that is because we have a little dog and he goes around sniffing for everything and chewing on crumbs and dirt in the garage. He's such a st stupid little beast, you know, but he just, <laughs> he's handsome, but he just, he, he eats everything. You're like, what are you eating dust for? Why are you talking like, like the dog is listening to us right now? Because he probably is. You just he knows. You because just apologize he knows. to your dog right because now. Because that dog knows. And now I'm going to go home and he's going <clears> to <throat> pee in one of my shoes or something. <laughs> I would. I know I would too. But he, you know, he's a, he's a good little dog, but you know, he's going to try to eat any little crumbs or anything that he might find on the ground, um, you know. So I, I don't want, I don't want him eating poison, right? You know. Um, so that peppermint oil is good. I'll set some uh, like mouse traps around the outside of the garage. Uh, not that we have a problem with it, but just in case, right? We don't have a problem with it because we're always treating for it, you know. Um, so we'll set some mouse traps, humane ones, so you can you know catch and release if you want to. Um, and then from there, I'll spray that same peppermint oil right around the car. And I'll spray some kind of underneath, you know, on, on the, the, the body of the car underneath so that they, you know, they just, they don't want to come near it. And I'll repeat that like maybe once a month, once every every couple weeks or something like that as needed. Uh, and in the car, I like to put dryer sheets in places where uh, the critters might be able to get in. And uh, it seems to deter them. Plus, it smells pretty nice. Wow. Yeah. Never thought about that. I have found that they are more deterred by dryer sheets than mothballs. And the mothballs smell, mothballs smell like mothballs, you know? It's awful. It's a terrible, it's like a very unique, terrible odor. I'd, I'd rather my car smell like fresh linen or lavender or something, right? Isn't that nice? <laughs> get in it. it smells so. like it was just, smells like a fresh t-shirt right out of the dryer, right? I, I hope someone got that on, on record. You said, yeah. I just would love it if my car smelled like fresh linen. It's a more pleasant, uh, pleasant aroma. No, than mothballs. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, some people like to put steel wool in different areas too, but fresh linen or steel wool, you know?
You're listening, you to, you're listening to Boys Under the Hood. We field all sorts of car questions. <laughs> uh, we talked about rodents today. Look, if you have a problem with your car, it's making a funny sound. you have any questions about repairs, maybe you took your car somewhere, you feel like you weren't treated well. You know what? If you took your car somewhere and you were treated well and you want to talk about it, these send a question in to us. Precision Auto Repair on uh, Facebook or precisionautorepair.biz. Uh, we need a question of the week here, and we need to make a donation um, Go to L at uh, the Land Cruiser. She had a question about brake rotors, machining brake rotors, and uh, she wants to donate to Shriners Hospitals uh, for children. So James going to cut a $25 check to the Shriners. Boom. Done. Very well done. That's it. Good luck with the rodents in your car, man. You doing any ice fishing today or anything? No, hell no. I don't ice fish. It's too cold. It's too cold. Just light a fire on the ice. They do that. They, they do that. <laughs> Seems safe. I don't know what could go wrong. Who does that? <laughs> All right, James. Thanks for coming in, man. All right, bud. I'll talk to you next week. Boys Under the Hood with James Stevenson and Pat Kelly.